Hello and welcome to Cartel Aristocrats Finance Cast number 59. We'd like to thank our sponsors, Gathering Magic and CoolStuffInc.com, who have provided us with gift certificates to give away. With free shipping on orders of $100 or more, a 25% buy list bonus, and their ever-popular customer rewards program, Cool Stuff Inc. is the store for all of your Magic the Gathering needs. We are fresh this week off of a pretty fun GP Vegas. There's a lot that we want to talk about. There's a lot of listeners and people that we met with that we'd like to uh, say thanks for coming to the meetup. Uh, you guys just fresh. sort of want to... You fresh guys should... is not the word to use. None of us are fresh. Yeah. <laughs> From an event, nobody's fresh. Do you guys sort of want to go down the lineup and talk about your GP Vegas experience and any shout outs to any followers who uh might have done something out of the usual or just had said hi and thank you for being a fan ed if you want to start um i probably have too many shouts to give but i totally appreciate anyone who stopped by the booth like a lot of people were like just seeing me walking around hitting me up saying hey can i take a selfie with you and a lot of times i was either trying to get something done or trying like i had to go meet and talk with someone but and i wasn't always carrying around the little whiteboard that i had so it was kind of hard to catch people all, like I probably some people doing that, but um, I definitely appreciate everyone who took the time to do that. Um, I definitely raised a ton of money for Doctors Without Borders, so that was definitely a hit. Um, other than that, my Vegas experience was very Vegas-like. Spent a lot of time gambling. Not the Magic event, obviously, because I would never do that. Uh, the Magic event was fun. It was definitely... I'm not sure I would I would necessarily like to see like a triple Grand Prix approach again. I think there was definitely a lot of fatigue, um, just back to back to back. I think having like two events probably would have been plenty. That way, there's people who have who didn't make day two, um, or had marginal like day one showings. They had the option of going back um, and actually playing out the full day instead of uh, having to have the deal with the difficult choice of oh I'm seven and two. Normally, you'd be pretty excited about 7-2 because you're still live for the Pro Tour. But there were plenty of people who were, oh, 7-2 isn't good enough. I'm just going to drop and try and, like, have a rebuy at, uh, at like, Limited or something, even though, like, because 7-2 in Legacy probably isn't going to cut it. And there were plenty of people who dropped um, and didn't feel confident in their draft and decided to go do Modern Set, etc. Um, and for vendors, it was pretty rough being there all uh, all four days. And the, pe- and the few vendors who were there on Wednesday as well, those guys are real troopers because Wednesday was kind of my day off um, where I took people out and we kind of went around to see like Vegas and did like all the touristy things. So, but overall, good what Vegas are the non touristy yeah. things in Vegas? <laughs> like we went and did the touristy uh, things, like that entire city is touristy things. I mean, the Grand Prix is uh, I mean, a touristy thing. Yeah, the Grand Prix is definitely not a touristy thing. The Mob Museum. No one? No one went to the Mob Museum? Did you? I was planning on it, and then my plans changed. Going to Old Town sucks. I think just going off the strip is just so ghetto. Like, uh, Old Town is good if you're poor like me and you want $5 blackjacks. Or uh, $5 craps. Yeah. Yeah, like, uh, some friends say it's stratosphere, and then, like, the room like literally started rotting. Like there was just oh water. Bernie, yeah, from Bernie. Like oh, water, man. water was just they got back and water was just dripping from the ceiling. Like the entire room smelled like mold and death. And then they got moved to a new room and the bathroom lights didn't work. So <laughs> Bernie had a hell of a hell of time in Vegas at the stratosphere. So there's a lesson learned. Don't stay off the strip. 
You know, I have to say Westgate did not impress me with the quality. I mean, it was like the it was fine, but it wasn't great. And the room was a, a little dingy. What uh, floor were you staying on? 13. Okay. If you stayed on the 24th floor above, those were like the luxury suite rooms. I would recommend staying there next time. It comes with concierge like room where you can eat away from everyone else in the buffets private and whatnot. And it was like a $20 more per night upgrade. Yeah, I mean, I saw those options when we were booking the rooms. We didn't really know what we were getting, so we just went with the cheaper one. If I had known the rooms were considerably better, I might have considered it. Yeah, it was much higher. Uh, that I made that mistake Las Vegas, and I knew what I was doing this time, I guess. Um, and then, sharing. What? Thanks for sharing. Know. Yeah, well, you could have asked. Um, and then, Ed, what did you do the rest of the week after Wednesday? Uh, I was at the GP most of the time, so I was, trying to, I was behind the booth as much as I could be. But uh, had to sneak away. Thursday was uh, no. Friday was Doug's wedding. Uh, it was those fun. We were all there. That was fun. The steak dinner that we had that was also fun. Yeah, that was basically it. Gambling that's always great. I wish I was slightly more lucky than I am, but I'm yeah. not. It happens. So overall, was Vegas a good experience for you then? It's one of those things that I don't mind doing, but for the people that say, like, oh, there should be a Vegas every year, I don't know if I could do it. Like, I think once or two years is good enough for me. But, like, the experience is fun, but I can do it without the 110 degrees, the million people walking around, the usual. So, it was a good experience. Like, I, I would definitely would not change anything other than move, maybe sing on a different spot on the bus out to Doug's wedding because we sat in a spot that had literally no AC. And I felt like I was going to die. You were sitting in the shaded portion of the bus. The right side was even worse. And yeah. Um, Jim, how was your week in Vegas? I mean, it started off pretty rocky. Um, my flight was delayed out of Orlando. I missed my connection in Charlotte and I had to stay there for a day. And then I had to fly to DC to get to Vegas. So like, I missed like a day and a half of my vacation because of all this garbage and weather. But other than that, it was pretty good. Um, I enjoyed the Grand Prix. I didn't play any of them, but I enjoyed the experience. Uh, there were a lot of artists there with a lot of cool stuff going on. Um, you know, like... I went and I got uh, a card signed by Howard Lyon, and he has this really sweet signature thing that he does. He's just like a stamp that puts like a foil signature on the card. Um, I think he, ca he called it like unicorn blood signature or something like that. And it was pretty cool. It's a little expensive, but it definitely makes the card very unique. Uh, I wouldn't do it if I ever planned on selling the card, but it's just like a lot of, it's just a really cool thing to get at that event. Um, how much was he charging for it? It was $10 for one or $20 for four. And it was worth it. Like from what I saw, that was definitely worth the price. If you're never planning on selling that card, it is extremely unique and identifiable. And everyone, every like casual player that sees it will love it. Yeah, I definitely, I asked for like a little weird thing. He usually does, does it in a solid color or like a rainbow pattern. I asked to do like half and half and it came out pretty good. Um, it's definitely one of the more unique things that I've seen any artist do to any Grand Prix. So if you see him at a local Grand Prix or if you're traveling to a Grand Prix where he's at, I would definitely recommend stopping by and getting your card. If, if you enjoy getting your card signed, uh, you know, Howard has done a lot of pretty 
unique and pretty powerful card art recently. Uh, he did the Enlightened Tutor for Eternal Masters. He did the Judge promo Avacyn. He did uh, the Blue Green Nissa. Um, the the new donate the red donate card with the cat on it, which I don't remember the name of. Harmless so offering. Of, yeah, harmless offering. Um, so that that was cool. I really enjoyed that. Um, I got a lot of prints. I bought a play mat that I probably didn't need, but I wanted anyway. Um, I went to the Magic Art Show. That was great. Um, you you definitely got to experience a lot of things. Like you never realize how small and how like hard it is to see the actual art on cards because of how small the picture is. Um, it was definitely very cool to see the full picture and the original art that was painted by the artist. Like some some of the things that were like really interesting was the uh, the card insult to injury is actually a panorama, despite where the panorama. way it looks. <laughs> huh? Panorama. I thought it was, no panorama. <laughs> I don't know, man. I'm just I'm tired still. Like I haven't I haven't gotten enough sleep yet. I had to take I, I took a red eye this morning. It was not great. So I'm sorry if I say some things that are not quite right. Uh, I'm not really all there at the moment. But the Magic Art Show is great. Uh, shout outs to Mike for getting it all together. It was definitely a very unique experience, and I hope to do it in future Grand Prix. Um, probably not all of them, but like. Some bigger ones, maybe like the next Vegas or whatever. Um, I don't know. The The dealer booths were pretty good. Everyone had a lot of good deals, a lot of good buy prices, sell prices. So if you wanted to buy cards, you could definitely get stuff cheaper than usual. I thought it was a good time. Uh, it was really it was fun to hang out with everybody, see you guys and Jason and Corbin and uh, Josh and Jimmy and all those people and hang out. It was a lot of fun. Uh, I've actually, I traveled there with seven other people, including my fiance and her good friend and saw them like four times for like a total of like four hours. The entire time we were there, like all the times we were at meals and then like maybe two hours outside of those couple dinners. Um, it was cool. I played one side of that. I didn't really get into the magic very often. It was fun to kind of hang around the hall and see people floating around though. Uh, thanks for coming up and saying hi. If you did, um, not too many people caught me probably because I wasn't really on site all that often. Uh, it was a good time. I agree with Ed. Once every two years is exactly the right number of, uh, of, of exactly the right frequency for this event. I also wish Wizards would stop scheduling it on the weekend of EDC. I knew it was big, but I was told this weekend that it's actually the single largest event in Vegas. Like nothing happens in Vegas that's larger than that. Occasionally you'll have weekends where it's like, Cinco de Mayo and there's a convention in town and there's a big concert or something. And like, then it gets really busy, but EDC is the single biggest item. So why wizards keeps choosing that weekend is beyond me because it's definitely jacking up airfare and hotel rates. Uh, it makes it harder to get around the city, but whatever. Uh, but it was a lot of fun. I'm glad we got a chance to do it. I, uh, almost missed my flight out this morning because, uh, I try to get as much time in at blackjack session as possible. So we basically had to like run back to our hotel shower pack all our stuff because I'm leaving for Australia in about six hours here and then uh, for another vacation. Um, and then, uh, but the airport was just completely packed. Like it took, a, it took probably like, it took a few minutes to get the shuttle actually up to the departure drop-off point. And then from there, the normal line, um, I have sky priority with Delta, but the normal line, it was probably like, there were probably like 200 people in it. 
and a sky priority line, which usually takes me about like maybe like five minutes to get through, took like fifteen. And the security line was very, very long beyond that. So we were very, very close to missing our flight. So we basically got through security. I ran to souvenir shop and grabbed my like magnet postcard that I always get at every event and then basically just like board my flight right away. Did the dogs catch you? Is that why? Why feed them too many treats? Were there dogs this morning when you were flying out? No. Okay. There, there was. They had a lot of dogs patrolling everyone uh, going through security uh, yesterday and the day before that for anyone that flew out. And uh, someone either smelled of it because of EDC, which is why I can guess um, they had so many dogs there. I'm not quite sure, but they got pulled out of line because the dog picked them off or something. Uh, so yeah, I didn't see. Yeah, I didn't see any dogs this morning. There were just a shit ton of people. Yeah, yeah. Vegas took a while to get through. Definitely, my flight got delayed leaving, which was not uh, optimal because I wanted to get back by like 10 p.m. to the great state of Missouri, and I ended up getting back around like midnight. So it was not fun. Um, I don't know. I got there Sunday way earlier than anyone else. Uh, I went on like a 30 hour gambling spree. Um, then like Tuesday, I want to say I sort of lost track of which day it was while I was in Vegas, which was like not optimal either. I think all of us sort of did by the end. Um, I just tweeted out, Hey, I have a powered cube who wants to cube. And like, uh, someone who works for riot games came, he just like saw the hashtag that I was using and he stopped by and he ended up being like a real good friend by the end of the week. Uh, and we just had a lot of people stop by because we were cubing in the lobby that just wanted to play. And we, we cubed like over a dozen times in five days, which is a ton of cubing. I think all, everyone but Ed got in on it to cube. Actually, I forget who cubed like half the time. That's how many cube drafts there were. A lot of content creators that cubed as well. So it was fun. I crushed Jeremy. Yeah, I got my butt beat a couple of times and I had some sweet decks a couple of times. So it was it was definitely worth it. Um Wednesday was miserable. I tried to get into that side event hall. It was like the most unprofessional thing I've ever seen. Uh, Hiroyuya had like, or they're called like 95 MTG now uh, for listeners that are going to wonder where they are in the future. Um, Hiroyuya had like taken away three of their display cases so that they could have more people buying cards that day. All the vendors were in these like little closet spaces. So there was only like six of them that were allowed in there. Uh, but it looked to be a pretty fun time. Uh, Thursday was when the main event hall opened. I think I just cubed the entire time. And then we went to dinner. Uh, in my opinion, the appetizers were very mediocre, but the entrees and the dessert and the whiskey or scotch paid off. Uh, Ed went a little degenerate at dinner, but I guess it was worth it for him. Uh, and we're I guess we're just never going to let Jim drink scotch again. Um uh, Friday was the one Wolf. that was going to leave it on the table. That's yeah, just yeah, yeah. mine. Friday was, and we got, we got a lot of, uh, how bad my Italian is at this Italian restaurant by Travis as well. Uh, it was real bad. You didn't pronounce the word correctly. <laughs> <laughs> um, Friday, we all felt like we were in an oven because we were sitting in the back of a bus driving into the middle of a desert. You know, most people get married in like a chapel. Uh, Doug decided to get married in the literal middle of a desert where the ground was super cracked and he did it right before it was going to get cool out when the sun went down. So right when the sun was up in the air is when we decided to go get, go uh, watch his marriage, I guess. 
you have to explain what what you mean by the middle of the desert like the bus we took a bus out of the city for an driving hour. down a rural highway like on the way halfway to the hoover dam like either side of this two-lane road is just nothing like you look out into the distance and it's just a field of cracked dirt and mountain ranges in the, the uh distance and then the bus just pulls over and uh just pulls off slows down pulls off the road and just starts driving along desert road like if you watch the hangover and you remember that scene where they like find the guy in the trunk of the car at one point and he like jumps out it's that type of scenery that's where he got married so very good for him but now that it's over we can all complain about it <laughs> yeah the ceremony was like 10 minutes and the ride was like two hours yeah but uh afterwards we went to tacos and beer finally which travis had hyped up on this cast and it was completely worth it I was attempting to run it back uh, right before I left, but it was not possible. But in the future, Travis, you were 100% correct about that. <laughs> well, uh, I tried not to oversell it, but it is pretty good. Yeah, it's actually pretty cheap, too, for Vegas, which was also very nice to see. Uh, some of the beers were obviously like $25, $30 a bottle, but they had a very good selection. Well, those $25 bottles are also normally that much anyways. Like That yeah. was not out of the ordinary. And they were out of two beers I tried to order. And Doug had, this was like Doug's first time trying to drink cocktails. So I ordered a couple cocktails for him to try, of which he liked zero of them. Uh, his fiance was actually more enthused with like different types of cocktails than Doug was. I think he just wants to drink something fruity to mask the taste of liquor. Well, so, he, he, he doesn't drink at all. So it's not surprising that he like doesn't really know what he wants, right? Like doesn't know how to drink it. Doesn't have a taste for it yet. Yeah, and then Friday night, the cast went to, was that the Command Zone party or was that Thursday night? Uh, Command Zone was Thursday. Okay, so we went there Thursday. Travis kicked the crud out of me with some artifact deck. Uh, there were free drafts happening all night. Uh, Friday night, Friday night, I think Travis went to play craps and Ed went to play blackjack and I played blackjack in the Westgate for a little while. I think because we were all tired after the wedding. I don't remember exactly. Did you go to the Plaza Hotel to play with uh, Jimmy Wong and everyone that night? Yeah. Yeah. So you even after being baked by the sun, you decided to go out and play a little craps with the big boys. Oh yeah. So I walk, I walk into the lobby at uh, at Westgate and I see Corbin right there and I'm like, and you guys were all looking a little tired. So I walk up to Corbin. I'm like, Corbin, what are we doing? He's like, we're going to the Plaza to play with like Josh and Jimmy and those guys. I'm like, I am in. I'm like, give me three minutes. I'm gonna walk over to Starbucks, buy a double shot of espresso because like 11:30 and I'm tired, and I'll be right back. He's like, okay. I walk over. Four minutes later, I walk back and he's gone. And I text him like, where'd you go? He's like, we got in the cab. So I had to cab all the way to the Plaza by myself because Corbin couldn't wait four minutes. What an asshole. Then Saturday, we had the meet and greet. Uh, the entire cast showed up, minus Travis, for most of it, because he thought no one would show up. Uh, every single day, I had someone approach me like four to five times a day saying thanks for the cast or like, I appreciate what you're doing. Uh, I sold Ed on being very tall on this cast, and I sold Jim on being very short, and I'm happy to see that our, our listeners that only – listen and don't watch the videos live don't know how tall we are uh that was something i heard a lot of is like when you're sitting down we don't know how tall you are so that that uh troll play worked off um we'd uh we cubed with a bunch of travis he thought i was taller than i was which yeah. is the opposite of what you said yeah uh colin who's a subscriber thought that ed would be tall and jim would be short uh i helped him buy a black lotus this weekend and a couple other things 
So that was fun. And then we cubed with all of our listeners at like three o'clock on Saturday for a couple hours. And that was pretty fun. We busted a pretty sweet Modern Masters one box from a listener. Uh, that was definitely worth it. Uh, at least at retail numbers. And then Saturday night, uh, we got demolished at the Bellagio. That's right. I don't <laughs> think any of us won a hand for like half a shoe or something. And then that's, everyone cheered when we sad. finally won. But My friend Lucas walked away up at that table, I think. Yeah, he did. He did. He bought it with 100 and walked away with like 175. That was uh, pretty nuts. But it was pretty crazy to just see literally zero people at the table winning a hand for a lot of shoes. It was like eight it was like eight or nine hands in a row where it was a dealer every single time. Like it wasn't even close. Yep. Uh it was fun to play blackjack with Ed because he knows what he's doing. I guess he ended up doing okay, so that's good to hear. And then Sunday I flew home because school. <laughs> so that was pretty much Vegas, unless anyone else wants to give shout outs or add anything else on. I should have played at the Westgate with us uh, the one night that I don't remember which night it was, but we bought in with $50 and walked away with like 250 in 45 minutes. That was yeah. right before Doug's wedding? Uh, no, no, no. This was another night. It was really late, like on Saturday night, maybe Friday, Friday night. That was the day to be playing, apparently. Uh, okay. That was great. Playing at the Westgate sucks. That like it's literally like the most unfavorable blackjack table I've ever seen in Vegas. So oh, is it really? So, so the rules that you have to look for, so quick tip, so non-MTG finance advice, you play blackjack, the things to look for, you want your blackjack to pay three to two for six to five. You want you want them to allow surrenders and dealer stands on all 17s. That's kind of a hard one to find. Most places, dealer has to hit on soft 17. Um, and they have to allow you to double down on a card and you have to be able to double down after splitting. So those all those rules are anywhere from like 0.4 to 1% in the house's favor. With the way Westgate played out, it was like just it was extremely unfavorable rules. So um, definitely don't play blackjack at Westgate. Okay, that is my non-NTG finance finance tip. I have to say the tables did seem friendlier on, in Old Town. Like obviously, like it's not as nice to play there, but they seemed like they were more favorable and it was a little cheaper. Like we were playing five dollar craps on like Friday night or something like that. Yeah, towards the end of guys are playing like the uh, high limit room. There are just too many people walking around the casinos. So, uh, yeah, yesterday ended my session. Like I, play, I was playing the, I was playing like three hands in the high limit room. So, and there was just like no one around. So yeah, I could just play the table by myself. And uh, just, just for our listeners' sake, what's the minimum bet on the high roller room? A uh, hundred dollars on per hand. So <clears throat> three hands. Jim, was there some? I would say, Ed, you should. I would, you would like to know that uh, all of my friends, their eyes widened when I told them you were playing six hands of blackjack at once. Yeah, uh, if I had walked away at like peak like winnings, I'd probably be up like twenty thousand dollars this weekend. But <laughs> never lucky. So oh yeah. yeah. So I, I love for five. Never lucky. Never lucky. Uh, Jim, anything else you want to add on before we move on? Um, no, I don't really gamble because I get mad when I lose. And I'm not lucky. So if you're not lucky, I wouldn't gamble. That's my advice. Okay. Um, So while we were on the bus to Doug's wedding, all the spoilers dropped about all the masterpieces, all the stuff coming out, all all the stuff that, like, was a horrible week to miss, like, 
being on the internet, I guess, it was, like, sort of nice not looking at, like, social media for a while with, like, spoilers and just literally finding out about them while we were on the on this bus ride to hell. Uh, so we got all the invocations spoiled, and in my opinion, almost all of them are garbage. Uh, I don't know how you guys feel about them, if you want to sort of talk about that. I think Travis and I were kind of talking this morning, like, <clears throat> like almost every, <clears throat> excuse me, almost every set so far has kind of had like the, uh, like the the expeditions are like, or sorry, not expeditions, masterpieces are like the big hits. Like back in Battle for Zendikar, it was like obviously like the original Fetchlands, or at least the Blue Fetchlands, like Blue Delta Mystery for Rainforest, Scalding Tarn. Uh, Oath of the Gatewatch had a lot of misses, but there were definitely like some pretty sweet ones, like Wasteland, Ancient Tomb, like those are definitely up there. Kaladesh had Sol Ring. Aether Vault had, uh, I can't remember what the big one was in Aether Vault. But anyways, uh, those were those all felt like they were good ones. Amicat had Force Will, whereas here in uh, in Our Devastation, there's not really like a super, super sweet one that like everyone wants to rip. Like obviously opening a masterpiece is great and all, but like most of those like kind of cover for a lot of the crappier masterpieces. Um but here it's like you're like the best one is like probably Thoughtseize, like maybe Blood Moon. But like those are probably, I imagine, probably gonna top out like a hundred dollars at most. Um obviously like the Thoughtseize foil is very expensive. We kinda seen like what the Morwin uh foils have done like in the past few months. Um uh, even like the Theros like uh non-foils and foils have started climbing in price. Uh but other than that, like, you know, a lot of them, like, just Diabolic Edicts, like, I'm not really sure who put that on their radar, like, none of them are just, like, particularly fantastic. Armageddon is kind of, is kind of sweet, I think it's the first foil since the judge foiling of Armageddon. Um, the art seems really ambiguous, like, almost every, I think someone on Twitter mentioned, like, almost every single card art could be basically, oh, this is Armageddon, because it's just very ambiguous, hey, the, the world's blowing up type art. Um, but it just feels like there's a lot of misses, even more so than Amonkhet. Like, Capsize is kind of an underwhelming one. Like, I know that's a popular one in, like, EDH and Cube. Uh, and the Judge Foil is... Or the um, FNM promo is kind of whatever. But, like, a lot of these foils, like, I just... They just seem like rather poor choices for invocations. Um, like, Thoughtseize, Blood Moon. Like, Omniscience is kind of sweet. But that card has kind of fallen off the radar in terms of how much Legacy plays it sees. It just feels like there's just too many misses on the... Uh, on the masterpieces, and we had kind of predicted this um, when we first saw the Amicat ones. Like, I think it's just we were kind of at the point where it's, their system is starting to break down. When you went from like lands to artifacts, like those made sense, and now you're just kind of doing like whatever. Like, what sweet cards can we make as masterpieces? And like, you can definitely see how it's starting to break down. It definitely feels like the quality has substantially gone down. On they were definitely they were definitely had the theme going right. Like, all of it makes sense in like an hour of devastation set. So like they did a good job on that front, but it's, it's the same problem that like essentially they show, they showed the expeditions and like we chatted about it then like, Oh, where could they go from here? And then when they announced it as an official like cycle, you're like, okay, so they revealed the inventions and they're like, we're going to keep doing this every set. But like, okay, so we got lands, we got artifacts. Then what? Like what comes next, right? Like you burn all of your like interesting cards really quickly. Uh, and then we are already, so this is a third set of masterpieces and you are already seeing it burn off and they can't, and they're not doing them in Ixalan. So like you got, they came out, they announced that they're going to do them every set. You get three blocks worth. It's like a year and a half. I mean, it's just pretty funny how fast they burn through that. Um, by the way, it is Ixalan. 
everyone started saying Ixalan. Then we're like, oh, the X in the Mayan dialect is pronounced the CH, which would be Ixalan. But Melissa DeTora confirmed that it is Ixalan with the X. They probably just decided to call it Ixalan because they knew everyone was going to say Ixalan. Anyways, um, but yeah, these masterpieces are just a bummer. As for the spoiling, like when Jeremy talked about it briefly, like the timing, I thought the timing was terrible because you had this huge announcement week going into Vegas, but then you get like people were in town for like Monday, maybe Tuesday, and then everyone is on the road. Like all most content creators and a lot of players are going to Vegas. So now all of a sudden you have all this information dropping and nobody's in front of a computer to really check it. I mean, obviously you can like look at your phone, bring a laptop or whatever, but everyone is like way too busy and too distracted to like really focus on any of this. So all this stuff is happening when the people who are most like, who are gonna process that and like kind of make some, provide some insight and discussion about that content for like the larger magic, magic audience, like aren't available essentially. And now like we're trying to like catch up with it and it's like, wait, what happened? I don't really remember. Do people still care? It wasn't, I, you know, I think they either need to do them the week before Vegas or the week after, but the week during, I don't think is, is a great idea. It's just awkward. And they didn't really give us enough breathing time. You know, we just got hit with the last set and now they're, they're already pushing out everything new. And at the same time, Ixalan or however you want to pronounce it got spoiled, which is a huge bummer. I know. Yeah, Jason why would Wizards do that so early? That that wasn't Wizards though. That was some guy that I think stole the sheet. And like, you know, we were talking with Jason all to brainstorm Brewery on the bus, and he's like, "This is going to kill hype for standard because we we basically have two sets at the same time." Yeah, uh, we've seen more of Ixalan than we have of our devastation. This is not quite as widespread as a New Phyrexia God book, but you def it is way earlier. Like yeah, it's several three months, months ahead. Like, yeah, you're right. It's like uh, October, November when the next set drops. So, and, yeah. And I mean, what was the God book? It was like a month, maybe. So, this is considerably earlier. Yep. Ed? I, I think the biggest thing, like, I was talking with uh, Tarkin from Quad Spec on Sunday when things were kind of winding down. I was kind of curious about the other things. So, I had a chance to actually sit and chat with them. And I think, like, this kind of ties in, like, when they have cons, like, when you go to, like, PAX or something, or, like, you know, like, PAX West, like, that's kind of their, like, big spoiler for the fall set. They really make a big show out of, you know, um, spoiling cards. Like, they have all these panels where they talk with, like, R&D and other folk. And it definitely feels more of, like, a convention, which I think Vegas did a very, very good job of that. We talked about, like, content creators were like a huge part of the show. Like you definitely saw like a ton of cosplayers walking around. You saw like all kinds of people from various podcasts. Like I saw the professor walking around plenty. Like obviously we were all walking around. Uh, Rudy from like, Alpha. There was like eight panels, right? Like eight panels of people who basically create content. No, there was way more. more. There was like eight per more. day. Jeez. Yeah. And yeah. It was like for three or four days in a row. So as yeah. early as early as Tuesday night, you saw uh, the professor Wedge, Josh Lee Kwai, Jimmy Wong all go out for drinks from Westgate and collab and work on collabs. Uh, you know, we were cubing with some content creators such as uh, Mr. Lubufu and the Magic Man Sam, who does these video essays. And he had just happened to see uh, Tolarian Community College, the Manosaur, sitting in a bar, and he's just like, "Hey, do you want to collab?" And that it was that easy. Instead of waiting for messages, it was just like, "Yeah," and I'll actually do it. I won't just say yeah to get you away. It's oh, I didn't even think about collabing with you. Yeah, let's collab. So yeah. it, this week we're learning out. that Jeremy loves to say collab, collab, right. collab, collab, like collaboration, too much effort. Let's just stop at collab. Hey, yep. bro, let's collab on some off sesh time collab and chill. Travis, you got it, fam. <laughs>
I'm sorry, we that, completely interrupted Ed there. What was the rest of Ed's thought? We should hear it. Like, I think, again, this kind of ties back to, into if they want to make it more like a convention, which I think they did a phenomenal job here. There was plenty to do, like, with, like, how much they pushed, like, the actual content creators, like, the original Magic Art Show, uh, or um, all that stuff. Like, there was a lot to see and do, but, again, like, it, like if they want to kind of drop spoilers, they need to make it more, like, packs and actually give, like, people time to, oh, let's, like, actually go and see, like, what they're going to spoil. Instead of everyone's walking around, everyone's, like, focused on the Grand Prix, people are focused on, like, two Grand Prix at once or whatever, like, there's just so much going on that, like, I, I didn't even bother to look at spoilers. Like, this morning, like, when I was actually sitting in the hotel room here, this is the first time I actually went to Mythic Spoiler, spoiler and actually looked at, oh, these were the cards that were spoiled. Because the extent to which I knew about spoilers was basically listening to you guys talk about, like, the new invocations. Like, that was really all the spoilers I saw. Other than that, like, I, like, I haven't even looked at, like, the Ixlon, like, rare sheet yet. I saw, like, random pics from Twitter that came up. Uh, but like the show was just too overwhelming. There was way too much going on, and I think that was kind of a bad time for Wizards to drop the ball. And like one of the things we haven't even discussed about was like the ban restricted list. Like they axed Marvel, right? And that has obviously huge implications for Standard. But like that was just not even on anyone's radar because there was just so much going on between Vegas, more announcements, right? Random spoilers on top of that. So, and it's really, really easy to get kind of these things lost in dust. Like, announcement week, I, I don't think they could have had a worse time for announcement week, considering how much there was going on already. And I think this is the kind of thing where it's fine to build up hype, but you want to do it in such a way where it's, like, you want to be staggered, but you don't want to overwhelm people all at once, which I kind of think what's happened here. Yeah, so, I mean, it, feel, it feels like we're all kind of saying the same thing, as we enjoyed everything that happened, we just weren't wild about the timing of all of it. Yeah, I think that the announcement week should have just been the week before Vegas instead of the week of Vegas. Um, mo mostly for everyone else's sanity. Like, it was cool that they were re revealing the invocations on the stream, or at least that's, I think that's what was happening. Uh, I wasn't watching it, but that's what I heard. Um, but, like, all of the other sets that are coming out next year and, like, all those announcements and stuff like that is just, like, it was just too much, man. Like too too much stuff happened. We're not even gonna be able to talk about any of that stuff this week because there's just too much stuff happened. But we want to talk about playing blackjack for four days. Well, we should probably move on and give the people some financial advice, which they yeah. have written in and asked us about. Jim, do you want to talk about who won this week's cool stuff twenty five dollar gift card for simply asking a question on our social media? Sure, absolutely. So uh I noticed that a bunch of people just left comments that, that were not questions. Um, uh, I, this is your warning. Don't do that because that doesn't help us. We want to know what your questions are. We want to be able to do best serve your needs and, and get your you know uh, ideas onto the cast. So if you just leave, left a thing that said, I'm throwing my hat in the ring for store credit, uh, I didn't pick you. Uh, so don't do that. Uh, but this week we have Eric Didtel, uh, who posted on the Ma Gathering Magic uh, page. And he said, I see Zimit ran into Card Rocket. Any thoughts on this platform as a place to buy and sell? So, funnily enough, I was playing Blackjack Tuesday, and there was a guy sitting there with a Card Rocket <laughs> shirt. And, I, you know, like, he doesn't say much. He was sort of just nursing his drink at the front of the table while I was playing Anchor. So we were sitting, you know, basically straight across from each other. And I go, uh, hey, so are you part of Card Rocket? Is that just a shirt? He's like, oh, I'm actually the owner. I'm like, oh. 
I'm like, that's pretty cool. I've heard good things about your site. And he's like, oh, that's cool. And I'm like, yeah. He's like, uh, how'd you hear about it? And I go, oh, I've written a couple finance articles, talked to the finance community, that sort of stuff. And he has no idea who I am, obviously. Uh, so I tweet out after I leave the blackjack table after a couple hours, because gambling, right? Like, just ran into the owner of Card Rocket. That's real cool. And I guess, like, it finally clicked that I have, like, 20 times more Twitter followers than him or something, because he was just like, oh, my God, it was you. Like, oh, all this, like, whatever to, like, get seen, I guess. Um, but from what I've heard about Card Rocket, it's actually not a bad platform. Um, and the other thing is, like, as long as you have the time to do it, if you're not, like, a giant shop like Ed is, why not take advantage of every opportunity as long as it's worth your time to try and sell or buy cards? You know, it's an alternate platform to TCG Player. As far as I'm aware, the fees are a little less. Um, so, like, it doesn't hurt to check it occasionally and see if anyone is selling cards for cheaper than TCG. Uh, it's also one of the last places to get bought out because it doesn't use Crystal Commerce as far as I'm aware. So, that's a negative for, like, a big shop. But if you want to get something that hasn't spiked yet, you might want to look there. So, that was the Card Rocket guy. Uh, he was pretty chill. He just didn't know who I was. And to be fair, many people don't. So Good for them. Yeah. As many people learned this week, you don't want to know who I am. I made puns through all of the cube drafts, and Jim wanted to put something through the wall. No, so no, was... I just wanted to kick you down the stairs. <laughs> that was it. But uh, yeah, the Card Rocket guys are pretty chill. Uh, my thoughts are simply, why not explore more avenues to earn re revenue? All right, awesome. So, Eric, uh, send me a message on either our Twitter account or our Facebook page, and I will uh, hook you up with some sweet store credit. Wait, uh, does no one else want to and ask this question? Answer well, this question. I mean, it was directly it was directly asked to you. I have no idea what it is. Okay. And unless anyone has anything else to add, sorry, I thought we were thought we were good. Actually, it was the question? I didn't even. Be asked just what our thoughts on Card Rocket were. Yes. Oh, I haven't used it. Oh, crud. Hey Ed, how do you feel about Card Rocket? Um, that's actually something I have no idea about. So unfortunately, I don't really have an opinion to give there. Oh man, it's just like Jeremy answered the question that was directed at him, and then no one else had anything else to say because they didn't know what it was. All right, well, moving on to another spicy thing as Travis takes his phone call for a while. Uh, we had some real good questions this week while you guys were sitting around brainstorming exactly what to ask, and we really appreciate that. So there's some good ones I think everyone here can answer besides Mr. Phone Call. Um, Wes at SLC Wes asks, do prices trend up, down, or sideways following the big Grand Prix weekend? And this is something that I think everyone in the MTG, MTG finance community should know the answer to. Ed, if you want to start. Um, sure, I'll start. Uh, <clears throat> I, I think this is going, I think we might see kind of a bit of a lull here. Um, summer generally tends to be a slower month for Magic. Um, as just kind of the year closes out, people graduate, people go on vacation. The weather gets really nice. I've noticed that like tournament uh, attendance kind of takes a hit during the summer um and there's just nothing to do there like if like if it's nice enough outside people will go barbecue people will go on vacation people will go like do almost anything other than sit at the card store and play magic um vegas was kind of the big tournament as well 
Um, and there was a legacy tournament and a uh, and the modern tournament. Um, so I definitely kind of definitely saw an uptick in legacy cards, at least in the demand for them, kind of leading up to the Grand Prix. Um, modern is modern, like it's uh, like there will always be demand for modern, but like I think after this, like there's just almost no, like the demand for legacy cards will probably drop. Um, and depending on how they release the schedule, this could very well be the very last legacy Grand Prix. Uh, we don't know the schedule for 2018, obviously, but there's are there are no more legacy grand prix for the rest of the year uh, anywhere in the world. So, um, so legacy is definitely going to take a bit of a hit. Like obviously, there will be like the local pop pockets where people can pay to play Ooh, legacy. Legacy. I'm back um, in the worst I need some time. Yeah, I'm, my bad. I started dropping the L word. Uh, <laughs> but uh. People will continue to play, but like hard prices, I imagine with just kind of demand, it'll just kind of slowly kind of go back to its normal. It, it kind of the normal demand for there are always people people who want to upgrade their decks or whatever. Uh, but modern card prices, it'll probably see a bit of a drop as well. Star City does kind of keep the circuit alive. They've pushed for a lot more modern events in uh, in the open series, kind of for the next few months or so. But I, the biggest thing is the summer. It's not necessarily about the Grand Prix ending. It's more about now that summer's coming up. That's really kind of when you start to see a small drop in prices. Just people just are not interested in Magic this time of the year. So um, it kind of dies and then picks up in September again when like people go back to school. The weather gets worse. People are kind of excited to play Magic again with a new set. Um, so that's kind of how I see things pro progressing. It's kind of the normal cycle that we go through every year. Jim. Um, I mean, it depends on like what time, what what's the next event is really. Uh, with back to back events, like if there was like a, a legacy or not a legacy, wow, I don't know why I said that. A modern Grand Prix followed by like a modern Star City Open, you can see card prices rise as people um, look at what won and and adapt to that. But I'm not sure that anything is really going to happen after this Grand Prix. Or these Grand Prix, I should say. Uh, there was no standard one. We have a new standard set coming. People are just kind of like not excited about stuff right now. So there's not really going to be a lot of card spikes unless something like really interesting comes out of like one of the top 32s of these events or something like that. Like I can't, see, I can't see a lot of things happening that would uh, affect the card prices right now. I don't actually know what the question was. I was on the phone call while it was asked. What happens to card prices after a giant Grand Prix like Vegas? Oh, they deflate. I mean, you, these guys got it right. It's partly the interest has died down, and also we it's combined with heading into the worst time of the year for Magic cards. So you ideally want to be positioned to be buying over the next couple months uh, and preparing to sell in the fall. That doesn't mean that cards won't spike over the summer. Like they still, there's still action. It's just sort of like the indices as a whole kind of deflate a little bit, and it's not quite as uh, quite as much going on. So there's still money to be made. It's just not not as robust. Um, I was very happy with the prices at Grand Prix Vegas because so many vendors were trying to be competitive. I know Doug saw a lot of good deals. I saw a lot of good deals. I picked up a lot of things that were way overpriced in Ed's opinion, but I love me some Russian foils for my cube. So why not? Um, I don't know. It was like real cool to see vendors putting stuff at like TCG market price or lower on some stuff. There was a lot of good stuff in Ployed Binders, which I always recommend checking out if you're at a Grand Prix, if you have time. 
Uh, really just depends what your time's worth. Um, Doug is flipping a lot of stuff uh, from a couple booths in particular. Same with me. I bought like 38 soarings at a dollar and a half, which is like BIOS pretty much everywhere. So I'm just going to sell through those like crazy at three bucks. Um, which I want to highlight is great for Jeremy, but I would never even consider yeah. that buy because it's just, I can't meaningfully move those cards. Well, for what it's worth, MTG Deals is paying $1.75 on soul rings right now. So <laughs> that doesn't really Terrible. cover your shipping, but if you're selling anything else, it might be worth it. Um, I picked up like a lot of casual EDH stuff that I want to hold on to long term. Um, stuff like Psychonic Rifts at $3. I, don't, I think that's like a no-brainer. Um, I think mids are already up to four and TCG low is like 325. I think these hit five real soon. Uh, stuff like that. Just like targeting a lot of small stuff at the GP. Um, picking up a couple more uh, blackboarded things for my cube. Uh, picking up a lot of foil stuff for my cube. Just like normal stuff that you normally can't get deals on on TCG player. But if you are willing to buy X amount of cards, vendors will go down. Uh, on their prices. Um, and as far as like straight money, I know Doug picked up a Foyo Yogmos bargain at $28. They're like $70. Uh, his was like near mint. So that's like a free flip, stuff like that. So it really just depends on how well you know your prices. I know a lot of people were standing there with phone in hand looking at like the TCG player pricing and they picked up a lot of stuff like that. Uh, that was worth it. There was like a Foil mirrored in Gilded Lotus that was light played for $10, which was priced wrong. Uh, pretty much anyone can flip that right away. Stuff like that. I always I wonder what the vendors are thinking when they just have like people flipping through the binder with their phone in the other hand, just very clearly looking up all the prices. Do they care though? Because they know what they paid for it and it's all about flipping cards as I far as I'm now aware. I assume that they don't like they're not upset about it. They probably kind of watch and just kind of like, you know, kind of they're glad to sell them. But at the same time, they're like, Ugh, these damn nerds. I mean, we have fifty cent boxes that have like cards that are clearly not worth fifth that are clearly not worth fifty cents, and I don't care because I paid like a dime on them. Right, right. I gotcha. They wouldn't put them in there if they weren't making money on it. Yeah. I mean, there was some other stuff that was like way underpriced. Like the uh, Harari booth had Sliver Queens for twenty eight dollars, and I bought two. And I don't even know if I'm ever going to use them, but I know they're worth more than that. And if I ever want one, it's like probably not going to be cheaper than that. You got like 33% off your Cabal coffers too at Cool Stuff. Oh, yeah. So so just so people know, our sponsor, Cool Stuff, actually has a played and foreign binder at every single Grand Prix. Has plenty of deals. This weekend, they had some like light played foils and signed foils in their case for a pretty good deal. Uh, yes, I, I forgot. I did. I bought an Eternal Witness and a foil Cabal coffers for $32 total. So that's like significantly below what they normally cost. Anything you saw, Ed, as far as like arbitrage goes? Um, I did like just my much walking around and I was doing I didn't actually have a chance to like just look through dealer booths that much. Um again, like with me not playing anymore, I really have no incentive to buy cards for myself. Um but I can only imagine like I know like a lot a lot of vendors who I was talking to, they said that like it was definitely a good sales weekend for them. Um I think just with how many vendors are in the room, people are just forced to be pretty competitive in their prices. At a smaller Grand Prix, you could probably get away with not having the lowest price in the room with so few vendors to deal with. Um, 
but when you go from like having anywhere from 12 to 18 vendors or so on a typical Grand Prix up to like 40, like the likelihood that like, you need to do whatever you can to make a sale, like whether that means like cutting people deals or making sure like you have as much visibility as possible. Um, like our booth placement was just abysmal as all fan of how Channel Fireball did it. Anyone who visited me this weekend, like we were in the far backside of the room, which on Thursday had no traffic because there was no second Grand Prix happening. So people had no incentive to be on that side of the room. Everyone was on the side where the Grand Prix was happening. And from what I saw, most of those booths just made a killing. Like every time I walked past, like people were just like browsing cases, just walking up and down browsing cases. And uh, like people were always sitting down to sell. But on our side of the room, there was just without reason for people to go there, people would almost always stop and sit down at a dealer that was open rather than coming to us. So it was rough. Yeah, it was rough. All right. Do you guys want to get in a pick of the week? That unanimous silence means yes. All right, Ed, you spent all morning looking at cards. Let's see a pick. Um, so the ones I've been looking at, I, um, this was actually something that I was briefly discussing with, uh, with the rest of these guys on the bus while I was, uh, briefly awake for the, like, god-awful drive back. But I think Masterpieces are kind of in an interesting place right now. We know that they're being axed next set. Our Devastation is the last set where we will officially have, um, Masterpieces with, without, with Exelon coming, like, there's two sets that doesn't have them, and then who knows after that type thing. We can only imagine a set like, um... Magic 2019, when they bring it back next year, we can only assume that something like that probably won't have masterpieces. And now we're kind of at the point where, okay, we've it's been almost two years since Battle for Zendikar. It's been about a year since... Uh, um, it's been about a year since Kaladesh. Almost. Like, we're like six months out or whatever. Like, and we've seen... We've definitely seen a lot of the masterpieces go up. Um, the ones that are super, super appealing, like Soul Ring is kind of the big winner. Like we've seen that basically just completely disappear off the market. Soul Ring might like really be an anomaly considering how it's like the single best card in Commander and it's probably like it sees play, it sees more play across all formats than probably almost any other card in Magic. Um, so, but even things like Chalice of Void, Engineering Explosives, we all seen those take, like just kind of go up in price based on how little are actually on the market. Like, if you actually walk around and look at vendor booths, there really aren't that many vendor booths that have a ton of them. Mainly because people who are buying them, people who are buying them for their EDH deck, their cube, um, you know, trying to foil out, like, like chalices and, like, their own Drazi deck, for example. Those are disappearing off the market, and they're basically not going to be available again. Most vendors just don't have them. And you just don't, like, unless it's a limited event, they're, like, we really aren't buying them. Like, you don't see them on hot lists, you don't see them on buy lists. They really just don't get picked up. And basically, once they're gone, they aren't really replaceable. We're not getting any more. What we have at the booth is basically what we have. Um, so, like, I would really start looking at them. I would look at things like, um, like Arcbound Ravager, for example. Affinity's definitely one of those decks that, that people really, really like to follow out. Um, Obviously, like the there's like two foil printings of it, but the masterpiece it does feel like it's a little underpriced for being a four of. Mox Opal's in kind of that same boat. Or Doctor, we've seen a buyout uh, in the past year. Um, so masterpieces, like the things I would target, I would definitely target the ones that are like either super super heavy in the casual market that people like to play, like to play, especially in a cross format, or things that um, that are heavily heavily competitive that are meant to be played as a four of. 
so my pick of the week, I would probably go with um, all enough Consecrated Sphinx. I think it is, it's a super casual card. All copies I have sell almost right away. It sees playing casual, uh, EDH, Q. Um, it's definitely one of the cheaper ones, so I think it has a little bit of room to grow. And with how little Amica is being open currently, I think like something, maybe not, not necessarily Consecrated Sphinx itself. If you do want to Consecrated Sphinx Masterpiece, I would buy it now. But you want to be looking at masterpieces in that vein. They're getting, they're definitely getting difficult to find with with people no longer opening product with it not being drafted. Um, there are quite a few of those that kind of fall in that boat. And if you want to pick them up now, and if you don't want them, I think some of the cheaper ones are definitely worth specking on. But Consecrated Sphinx is just going to be my example for the pick of the week uh, out of the masterpieces. Jim. So. Um... My pick of the week is based on some spoilers that we saw from the new set. So there's a new legendary creature called the Scorpion God, and that already caused pretty much a buyout on Colrath Knight, which I didn't know existed before now, but uh, it's basically a red-black creature that deals with minus one, minus one counters. And we already saw minus one, minus one counter stuff spike when we got Hapatra, because people like to build decks with counters in them. Uh, this card is red-black and also deals with minus one, minus one counters, just like Hapatra does, but it, uh, it, uh, because of its different colors, allows you to play with cards that were previously not allowed in, in the Hapatra EDH deck. So my pick this week is called Everlasting Torment, which is a red-black hybrid enchantment from Shadowmoor, but was also reprinted in Commander 2016. Um both of those don't really have large print runs. You can find the Commander 2016 version for like less than 50 cents at this point in time. And uh, I'm pretty sure that this card is going to be good in any kind of, of red-black minus one, minus one counter deck. Um, that being said, there are other things that also could care about minus one, minus one counters. Uh, Marrow said that the other two missing gods from Amonkhet are going to be the other colors of Nicol Bolas. So there's going to be a blue-black and a blue-red one. Um, that are supposed to be synergistic with each other, so they might also do with minus one, minus one counters. Not really sure. Unfortunately, you can't play that card in the other decks, but I think this is a card that I would just like have a couple of copies of. It's probably something that'll spike over a weekend, and you can sell out for way more than they'll ever be worth, really. Uh, the best part about Cool Wrath Knight is that Doug sold all of his like the day before the Scorpion King got revealed and he hit buy list, and that's really funny. Um, my pick this week is uh, Chief Engineer Game Day promos. So uh, Zach Elsick had a pretty good run with a mono blue Grand Architect aggro deck. They call it like Blue Steel or something like blue that. Blue Steel, yeah. Um, Grand Architect was a good pick a while ago. Um, that's kind of come and gone. Uh, if you look at the rest of the deck, there's not a lot of cards in there that jump out as like being viable options. Like Walking Bliss is too expensive. Smuggler's Copter is too new. There's a million copies, stuff like that. But the, And Chief Engineer just got a reprint in Commander 2016, or else that would be worth considering. Uh, but it has a game day promo. It's really cool looking. It's one of the better full art ones because um, those game day promos have been through uh, a series of revisions and some of them come up better than others, but it looks really good. Um, their supply is not too big uh, and they're still pretty cheap at like two bucks. Um, it's in like 2000 EDH decks according to EDH rec. So it's pretty heavily played. I mean, if you're playing artifacts and you're playing blue, you probably want him um, and we're not going to see anymore. So it's sort of like a mini invention. 
so I really like Chief Engineer at, at about two bucks. I picked up like a couple play sets for myself today. Uh, not too deep, but more than zero. Also, just to, to what Ed said about the inventions earlier, Archbond Ravager is also interesting because you can invention almost that entire deck, right? You get Ornithopter, Steel Overseer, Archbond Ravager. Uh, there's like two or three other cards in there too, right? Mox Opal. Mox Opal. I swear there's another one too. There's a lot. So that's your pick, Travis? Yes, yes it is. All right. Well, I picked Grand Arbiter almost a year ago at the Star City dollar sale, and that finally paid off. It's like a $3 card because of Blue Steel. Um, something I didn't know before I picked, Sweltering Suns is a $4 card. Like, I had zero idea about that. I'm sure Ed knew, but that's something that caught me by surprise. Um, my pick this week with Commander Anthologies, I'm really liking this set, as you guys can, as the listeners can tell, week to week. Kali has already rebounded a bit, which is great, because I called that when it was at its low, I would argue. My pick this week is the Medallion Cycle. These were 3 to $4 uh, rares that no one knew about, at least specifically the Commander printings, not the Tempest printings. Uh, you can get almost all of them for like $0.75 cents to a dollar, pretty much everywhere. I think these double in a year, and these are basically free money if you're trading for specs. Um, especially if you're like 50 cents off and you say, hey, this just got reprinted, throw it in. Like this is, this, this seems like free, easy money, maybe even six months down the road. Uh, because you just basically wait um, for Commander next year and like it'll pay off before then. So I wouldn't worry too much. And I don't think these get hit in the tribal themed decks. And if they do, your risk is so small on this buy-in that it won't matter. So I think this is an easy long-term gainer, similar to uh, that Scars of Mirrodin rare that gives everything in lifelink and double strike. That also got reprinted. Uh, True Conviction. Yeah. I think this is just free money down the road. Pick them up and trade. Maybe even buy them in the Japanese markets where they're cheaper. And then just sit on them and uh, throw them in your closet, forget about them, and enjoy that steak dinner we just got you for free. (laughs) Which steak dinner? Because ours was... uh... Ours was more than a couple emeralds, a couple a couple medallions. <laughs> yeah, so if you get if anyone wants to eat dinner with court, with a uh, cartel finance, uh, it was fourteen hundred dollars for the dinner. So it was fun. It was not per person, and there were seven people. Yeah, so two hundred bucks a person. Uh, but yeah, you guys want to wrap it up? We've been going for an hour. Anything sure. else you guys want to get in? Any last shoutouts? Uh, I do want to say that I think I got interrupted when I was trying to say this, but. Uh, if you'd like to win the Cool Stuff Store credit this week, you will have to post on the Gathering Magic post. Uh, it should be up on Tuesday, uh, June 20th. So go Please there. Post a question. Yeah, leave us a question, not a I'm entering, now pick me, Jim thing. Uh, if you got merch from me at Vegas and you were not Jim or Travis, you're welcome. I gave out a lot of shirts and conveniently forgot to give Jim or Travis one. Really? Uh, you, you gave shirts to other people? Yeah. Other than Ed? Yep. Last time I checked, you're not a triple X, Jim. So I don't think you would wear that one. Ed is repping for everyone on the video cast, is repping our shirts quite nicely. Um, shout out to everyone that stopped by, said hi to any of us. We really appreciate it. Got a selfie with Ed for the good of uh, Doctors Helping Borders. If you guys want to talk about where people can find you before we sign off. Uh, on Twitter, Edwin13. Uh, I'm with Coros Game Store. I'll be uh, in Sydney this week. If any of our listeners down south want to come check me out, 
Uh, again, I know I said it before, but I really, really do appreciate people coming out and uh, helping the cause. Um, it's I like being being who we are in this industry and just basically given like the the privilege of just traveling out, hanging around, basically making a living selling cardboard, and I and basically how much like degeneracy there is in this community, for lack of a better word. I think it's really great that people definitely take the time out to give back. Um, I do want to give a brief shout out to uh, Don and Paul. Uh, they took me out to dinner on Saturday night. It was a, it was really really fun to talk with them. Uh, they were um, they have a great local store in Vegas. Uh, they're about a year old. They're trying to build up. Um, it was really really fun to kind of chat with them, help them kind of uh, reevaluate what they're doing right, what they're doing wrong. Um, if people ever want to hit me up, I'm always available to answer questions. Uh, I have no problems. Trying to help other businesses get on their feet and making sure that they're doing the, the most for their community that they can. Make it sound so charitable. <laughs> the Doctors Without Borders thing. I try. All right. My name is Jim Casal. You can find me on Twitter at PHROST underscore. Uh, you can find me on Gathering Magic every other week. I will have an article this week. And you can find me on Modern Nexus usually every week. So uh, if you also, if you're ever visiting Orlando, Florida, uh, shoot me a message and maybe we can jam some EDH or I don't know, I could probably meet you at Disney or something. And I'm Travis Allen. I'm on Twitter at Wizard Bumpin, B-U-M-P-I-N. I write for MTG Price every Monday and I do the mtg fast finance podcast uh and if you enjoy playing magic check out scry.land find magic in your area special shout out to everyone that's been listening to us for almost two years it really paid off at vegas where we all where we were where we all were there uh as my as i make some word spaghetti i guess uh it, it's really worth seeing it pay off when people come up to you and say thanks uh so we really appreciate it. But yeah, thanks for listening to Cartel Aristocrats number 59. We'll see you guys next week with whatever is going to come out. More spoilers, more masterpieces. We have no clue. But as always, tune in next week and we'll see you guys then. Thanks for watching the show and as always, have a good day.